You're listening to the Visibly Fit Podcast. Hey, I'm your host, Wendy Pett, and every week I'll give you holistic, practical solutions for everyday issues related to nutrition, healing, functional fitness, and behavior modifications. As a natural path fitness expert and wellness coach for over 20 years, my goal is to empower you to reach for greater health and to rise up to your next level of living in mind, body, and spirit. You were created with greatness in mind. It's time to own it. Are you with me? Then let's dive in. Hippocrates once said that the physician treats, but nature cures. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Visibly Fit. I'm your host, Wendy Pett. Today on the show, I'm excited to have Dr. Leland Stillman. He became a doctor to help people achieve their highest potential. He says, whether you're struggling with a chronic illness or are seeking next level of performance in your work, your relationships, or your vocations, his mission is to help you achieve the excellent health that you desire and that you deserve. Uh, You probably realize that modern medicine is focused on treatments rather than cures, but Leland has little interest in treating disease. He is determined to cure disease. You know, after completing medical school and specializing in internal medicine, he chose to study natural and functional medicine. His interest in optimal health and performance began with his own experiences as a patient. As a child, he suffered from ear and sinus infections and even ADHD. But despite going to some of the best doctors and having access to excellent medical care, Leland continued to struggle to be healthy. He was frustrated by the unseen forces and he knew uh, that he knew was holding him back from his best, best health. His curiosity grew so intense that he decided to become a physician himself. And he studied environmental health at Connecticut College and received his medical doctorate from the University of Virginia. Leland specialized in internal medicine, completing a three-year residency at Maine Medical Center. Today, Leland works with people all over the world, and he uses a a systematic approach that addresses all aspects of of your life, from your diet, lifestyle, mindset, and environment that impact your overall health. And uh, when you work with Leland, he doesn't just treat you. He teaches you how to live a healthy, uh, whole, holistic lifestyle, which is great. And he says one size fits all is not approach that he does either because Each case is unique and tailored, especially to that particular person. Going back to Hippocrates, uh, he also said, the greatest medicine of all is teaching people how not to need it. That is an incredible quote and something I am all passionate about as well. So enjoy this show. Well, Dr. Leland Stillman, welcome to the Visibly Fit Podcast. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. How are you? Yeah, awesome. It's a joy and a privilege to have you. I am so excited just to jump in and talk with you because you went to school to, you know, be an MD. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, you were taught more about how to 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 treat rather than to cure, but somehow mm-hmm. something got changed in there where you're like, "Wait a minute. I want to I want to kind of shift direction here." And and help my my patients in a new way. Let's let's hear your story first, and then we'll dive in a little bit more. Sure. The short version of this, because it's a longer story, it's a long story, <laughs> is that I grew up in a family where my mother was very dissatisfied with conventional medicine. 
And she tells a really funny story about my sister, uh, her eyes crossed after her first or second or some round of infant vaccines. And my mother had to go to the ENT because she had all these ear, nose and throat problems, sinus infections. And the ENT um, said, okay, we need to do a surgery. And then post-operatively, my mother was holding my sister over the emesis basin and she's just retching her guts out. And my mother looks up at the ENT who comes in to debrief her after the operation. And she says, this is over, right? We've, we've solved the problem. This is not going to happen again. We won't have to go through this again. And he said, no, in all likelihood, the holes that we've drilled to drain her sinuses will close back up and she'll have to come back for a redo surgery. And my mother at that moment said, this paradigm of medicine is not for us. We're going to go try something else. Sort of whole childhood was bouncing between naturopaths and Chinese medicine doctors and chiropractors and dowsers and craniosacral therapists and all kinds of different things. We used everything from herbs to homeopathics. So for for yourself as well, excuse me. Yeah. So my mother, you know, would basically take my sister and I to different doctors and uh, yeah, I actually saw some pretty, like, for example, I, I was the patient very briefly of like George Guess, who's, I think that he is either the current or past president of the uh, American, I don't know what it's called, but it's like the only American society of homeopaths. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so we really tried a lot of things and I didn't, I mean, you're not in a position as a child to really judge therapeutic efficacy uh, because a lot of medicine is placebo and a lot of kids get better anyway. Right. Right. But as I got older, I just kept asking questions about, well, what really works and what doesn't work. And there's obvious therapeutic value in natural, integrative, functional, holistic, natural, whatever you want to call it, medicine. The question is, what's the value? How should we use it? And how should we integrate it with conventional medicine, which obviously has value as well. And so in my conventional training, I was just looking for, okay, what here makes sense and is good. And what here is clearly just a fabrication of the pharmaceutical industry to create the illusion of therapeutic efficacy, which is what, you know, so much, I mean, like I have a whole shelf on my, my bookshelf that's dedicated to essentially unpacking all the lies that and how the, how the pharmaceutical industry lies to people about the efficacy of their drugs. Yeah. We just got to follow the money and then we find the truth, right? That's right. Uh, it's it's an interesting time that we live in and uh, we won't go into all of that because that's a whole new uh, different pod- podcast <laughs> uh, that probably wouldn't get aired on YouTube and other places, unfortunately, because I've had some uh, already pulled. So, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I, I had uh, Dr. Brian Artis on. Uh, a while back and they pulled that one and then they pulled an artist is one. pretty out there though, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, I know that's true, but I mean, snake venom. Well, he, he's really just speaking, uh, you know, from what he knows and what he believes. And, and so anyway, it got pulled and, uh, yeah, that's a bummer, but it was, it was still a cool show, but I'm super glad to have you on and your expertise and, and really what I know that we were wanting to talk about today. Cause I know you have a plethora of, of topics that we could pull from. But um, as someone who myself as a naturopath and that's passionate about holistic healing and, and just getting the body in a homeostasis place, you are as well. And, um, and it, it's so we wanted to dive in more about like lifestyle and, and how people can really understand how to be their own uh, doctor, if you will, because the body is meant to heal itself. And, and, 
in most cases. So let's just kind of dive in with um, your thoughts around just the um, lifestyle uh, of how most people are living and why that is really causing uh, so much of the the culprits of why they're in disease, disease. Yes. So I think it it really all starts in the modern age with technology. Mm. And if you look at the problems of antiquity, they're very different, medically speaking. Uh, they're, they're parasitic diseases, they're strange, um, you know, plagues and things like that, and have been popularized by infectious disease physicians. But there are a lot of holes in their contextualization and, and theories about how infectious diseases work. Tom Cowan, um, Andy Kaufman, sort of 101. And I won't get into that here because it's a big, and there's a lot of regular, I mean, not regular, but I mean, there's a lot of people out there who've written about how a lot of the infectious disease paradigm, just there's a lot of, there are, there are problems with the model, the intellectual model. But if you look at these problems in the ancient world, they have largely been got rid of by what we call modern sanitation, as well as modern nutrition. And I don't mean that our nutrition is good. I just mean that we no longer are consistently in a state of calorie deficit uh, or a low At least protein not state. In this country, for the most part. For the most part. And there are exceptions to that. There's caveats to that. But for so much of our history as a as a you know, species, let's say, the real things we've struggled with have been things like dehydration, um, uh, heat, heat, heat exposure, heat exhaustion. Uh, uh, freezing to death, drowning. Um, historically, these are the things that that kill people. Yeah. Uh, did I mention starvation? Uh, and then what you'll see is that as people are exposed to these stresses in the ancient world, they become more and more susceptible to disease. With technology, what we are able to do is we're able to change everything in how we interact with nature to be more palatable to us, more desirable, more comfortable but the stress of nature is actually what keeps us fit and strong. Right. And so if you look at every kind of stress that I just mentioned, it's got a therapeutic benefit. So sauna for heat, obviously we need to be well hydrated. Obviously we need things like salt and, and electrolytes and, and minerals in order to be optimally healthy. And that goes along with things like dehydration, heat exhaustion, exhaustion, et cetera. So by getting rid of all of our normal stresses, people have become weak and susceptible to disease because they don't have the appropriate, and you use the word homeostasis, they don't have the appropriate um, uh, hormetic dose of stress to live in homeostasis with their environment. And then with the way that modern food's been overbred, we see that farmers get paid for, for size. They get paid for weight. So what do they do? They do whatever it takes to make the Open food up. bigger and better and plumper and more hydrated. And that leads to less and less nutrient density in the food. So you end up with a populace that's got severe micronutrient deficiencies. Then you add to that the technological side of things that we've been struggling with most in the last few generations since the advent of the television and really radio and multimedia. You know, if you think about it, your day, 100 years ago was very, very simple. You know, if, if the, the 20s would have been an early, would have been, you know, you would have been, would have been unusual to have 
even a radio in some homes. And so your day consisted of low intensity manual labor. You're moving. Yeah, you're moving constantly. Yeah. But it's also, it wasn't, wasn't like all zone two cardio. There was a lot of uh, different types of movement, you know, and people don't realize how powerful that is. Uh, something like as simple as bailing hay is actually a very complex movement and it creates a totally different physique and physical body than something like, you know, lat pull downs or bicep curls. Yeah. So you have this low intensity, long duration manual labor with occasional bursts of really intense energy, uh, such as running from a bear, trying to kill a wild animal of some sort, um, you know, fighting the neighboring tribe or whatever. That was the sort of pattern of human physical uh, movement and physical activity. And then with um, with your your mind, you weren't able to overconsume technology. You couldn't constantly be scrolling scrolling on Instagram or Twitter or whatever. And so you're you weren't overstimulated by all these things. And so people had a much lower stress. Our parasympathetic nervous system is way out of whack. <laughs> right, and so hard time coming down. Yeah. Right, and so it's not that people didn't have medical problems and issues. But they were in a position where their nutrition was much stronger. Their light and electromagnetic environment wasn't as stressful. I mean, little things like electrical and magnetic fields, radio waves, microwaves, these things do have a negative impact on the body. They're very subtle sometimes. You don't see effects except with very large populations over long periods of time. That's changing to some degree because the devices are becoming so powerful. Mm-hmm. I think that the um I think that the the public's about to really wake up to how negatively EMF are affecting them because of how powerful the new devices, cell phones, tablets, Wi-Fi routers are. And so I think the public's about to really wake up to how negatively these things are impacting them because when you go low Wi-Fi and low tech for like a day, it's remarkable how differently you feel and people are going to start mitigating their EMF environment more and more. And they're going to see things like their headaches get better. They're going to see problems like IBS, anxiety, depression, um, personality issues, mood problems. (laughs) Yeah. Sleep's a really big one too. I think that people have really been, they've moved the Overton window with the sleep trackers. Uh, We have people I've had, I have one patient who got a hundred sleep score one night. Wow. 100. Yeah. And it's, it's partly the, the changing of the EMF environment. Sure. But the thing that, that technology really does for people that I focus on more and more in my practice is that it robs them of the time and the space to really uh, get in touch with their emotions and process them well. Mm-hmm. And so this is why we're living in a world of people who can't control and regulate their emotions. Why so many are on anti-anxiety meds and, and antidepressants and yeah. Well, and even when they're on those drugs, they'll totally and completely lose their minds over things that shouldn't really upset them. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, simple statements that a few generations ago, no one would have batted an eye at are now things that can really uh, upset people. Mm-hmm. And this level of quite frankly, psycho psychological pathology in the public it's not the food 
the food's been really polluted with pesticides, herbicides, industrial chemicals for a long time, heavy metals. Perhaps that's getting worse. Perhaps not. It's really hard to know what's really in the food. People have moved indoors. Yeah, in the water. People have moved indoors. You know, that's not really that recent. Uh, People have been living indoors 90 something percent of their their time in the United States for the last, I would say, generation at least. Uh, and wearing sunglasses and covering up and not getting sunlight, which is actually really important for health, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Yeah, because I do want to rename you uh, the shirtless doctor, by the way, because I noticed that you're always shirtless. <laughs> yeah, for right and, now. <laughs> and people will sort of give me a hard time about that. But the reality is it's the only time, some of the only time in my day when I can actually get some sunlight. So what's happening is that people are totally inundated by stimuli that's really fundamentally unhealthy. Right. And, you know, it's funny, the word, you know, pornography used to mean one thing, but now you'll go out there and you'll see people saying, oh, this is food porn, or this is house porn, or this is furniture porn. I mean, like everything has got a sort of pornographic aspect to it now, not to be vulgar, but that's literally yeah. what people will say. Yeah. And people it's, don't it's addiction period. It well, people don't think about their food porn habit as being potentially injurious to their brain. Mm-hmm. But if you're spending hours a day scrolling through other people's lives, other people's recipes, other people's houses, other people's whatever. This has never been done. And 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 covetousness and envy and all these other things that that ancient peoples and and religions, right, had this idea that we shouldn't do this. And so that's why people feel so bad on social media. But at the same time, they're addicted to it. And so they don't have perspective on how unhealthy it is. And so a big part of what I do is helping people get the time and the space to themselves in order to detox from the social media and then from all the toxic, let's just call it what it is, psychopathology that it induces in the populace. And we do that with a really wide range of things. But if I had to say the single single most important thing for me, from, from my perspective, is just getting people back outside off of their technology into nature. No headphones, no cell phone, no Wi-Fi, no Instagram. Put your phone on airplane mode or leave it at home. Go for a walk in the park, wiggle your toes in the grass, play with your dog, play with your kids. I mean, it's getting one of the back to the most, basics. Yeah. You know? Just yeah. basic fundamental human activity. One of the things that's most disturbing to me is to see how parents are allowing themselves to be totally distracted from what is really hard work of parenting, right? I'm not a parent, but I, I perceive that this is hard work. Um, but distracted from that by their technology and by their desires and keeping up with the Joneses and whatever, a big part of what I do with with families when I'm working with them is to ask them hard questions about, well, do you really need you know, a bigger house? Do you really need a bigger, better car? Can you downsize? Can you live more modestly? So that you can focus on the things that really matter, like raising functional, emotionally healthy, mature children, like, you know, spending time, quality time with your family. Because that's one of the things I've noticed really derails people's lives is that, you know, grandma, grandpa gets sick. They're already stretched too thin, trying to cover all the bills and do all the things. They can't make time in their life to take care of that person. Uh, Or it's a child, you know, little Billy gets addicted to insert modern technology device, substance, or habit here. Um, 
and you know then they're scrambling to find time and resources in order to meet that need so you know um Dr. Leland, I guess I should say Dr. Stillman, but I'm saying Leland. Anyway, uh, the shirtless doctor. Um, you know, you think about what is going on with the generation under us that, uh, as far as what you're describing right here, and how that's going to play out as a society if if this doesn't change. Um, I mean, we're already seeing the aftermath of it. Uh, just with, I mean, if we want to go there, but with the school shootings and the, I mean, all the different things that that are taking shape. And that's just a small little sliver of, of what we're seeing. Right. So it's like, this has to change. We have to take this seriously and it's our responsibility to flip the script and to take action and to change our lifestyle and start getting hung up on the things that we can't take with us anyway. Uh, this is just worldly material stuff that doesn't matter. Do the things that matter most. And that's investing in First of all, giving God the glory in our life, but investing in him, in uh, ourselves, and in others. And that's really, that's life. Like that's, that's, that's the key, right? I agree. And I think that what we're seeing right now is that people who understand what's happening on a larger scale, even if they may not be any, in any way, an expert in any of these topics, they perceive that they're being manipulated into becoming, and I think a good way to sum it up is complacent, um, compliant consumers. Clearly a very significant proportion of the populace is willingly being led in that direction. Willingly. That's yes. Right. They're very, in fact, Mm -hmm. enthusiastic. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Right. Well, I think it was, I think it was Goth that said, uh, who was it that said this? Someone said it is difficult to free people from the chains that they revere. And then I think, I can't remember who said this, but they said, no, no one is so enslaved as those who falsely believe that they are free. Right. And that's where a lot of Americans are headed. Yep. And th- there's a substantial proportion of the populace who perceive that this is happening and don't want anything to do with it from a really wide range of backgrounds. And they understand that they have to buck the trend, not go with the herd, form new relationships, create new communities. And we're is, headed in a direction of a parallel society. Right. Which is causing division, right? Because people aren't waking up to what reality is, is what, what's happening right in front of their noses. And then there's others that are, are awake and see and are, are wanting to take action so that society doesn't collapse. Um, yeah, it's just an interesting time. So we, we do all need to, to rise up. I mean, my heart is the church. And it's like, all right, wake up, people. You know, uh, we really got to see what's going on and rise up and take action. And, and it's been be- pretty wild to watch the churches go along with a lot of nonsense. Right. And then completely turn a blind eye to a lot of really evil things going on, not yes. only in the church, but in society at large. A lot of pastors yeah. have really abdicated their responsibility to protect their flock in a literal sense. Protect their flock and protect their uh, income. Um. So, well, sometimes what's saying. what's what's best for the flock is not what's uh, best for the offering basket, <laughs> right? Right, exactly. Well, anyway, I just I just love your heart, and I I I know that you are on a mission as well to to hopefully help you know just one person at a time take this seriously. And I and I think of what you said earlier about okay, we're just comfortable, we're just so comfortable being comfortable, and yet it's so painful seeing the comfort. And so well, I look it's very at people much like Wim Hof. Yeah, it is a trap. 
I look at people like Wim Hof that are going out and setting examples of, of being in, you know, the, the cold plunges and in being in the ice and the deep breathing and all the things. And I'm like, yeah, we gotta, we gotta really stress our bodies so that we can uh, become healthier and have healthier uh, immune systems and, and have, you know, good gut health and all the things instead of just being in this comfortable space where we are germaphobes and not allowing our body to actually, um, you know, have the the healthy gut microbiome that it needs instead of doing the opposite. So let's talk a little bit about that a little more in detail of, of what you recommend for people to actually stress their bodies a little bit more. We have an infrared sauna here. We do that. We, we do the cold showers. I mean, I don't have the cold plunge yet, but I have done them and they're great. Yeah. Most of the year, you're, you're going to be fine if you just have a big cold plunge outside. that's just not even cooled. So I, first of all, have to start with where the person is. And it was funny you said helping one person at a time, because really what I've transitioned into is actually a lot more group coaching. So for example, right now we're doing a group coaching program on weight loss. End of this month, we're starting, and this is June. So I guess this will air in August, mm-hmm. starting a group coaching program on testosterone. The month after that, I'm starting a group coaching program on um, hair tissue mineral analysis. And then in August, when I think this will air, we're going to be doing a thyroid group coaching program. And the reason we transitioned to that is that, I, you know, and when I say we, Jim Laird my, is my strength and conditioning coach. He's the, you know, I, I take care of the medicine. He takes care of the, the coaching. And we collaborate on these programs because we come to things with very different skill sets, but a very similar frame of uh, framework, shall we say. And we've just found that 80 to 90% of people need to hear 90% of the same stuff. And they need to hear a certain amount of repetition in order to actually integrate the changes. And then on top of that, they need a community of people who are going to help them hold themselves accountable to the changes. And then they may have very unique questions or concerns for their context that we have to tailor our advice to. You know, so you, you mentioned, how do I recommend that people stress themselves? And it just depends, right? The stress I'm going to recommend to someone in Minneapolis, Minnesota is not the same as the stress I'm going to recommend to somebody in Seminole, Florida. And so I start with those fundamentals of getting more natural light into the day. Jim and I cover this actually in a, in a course we run that's a year-long course. Well, it's a year long and there's there's 10 modules and there's monthly group coaching. It's called the Fundamentals of Wellness. And this is where we dive into the stuff in more detail with people and we do a lot more troubleshooting to help people apply it in their own lives on uh uh, on in their unique situation, right? We do that monthly. So the fundamentals of wellness is where we we do a lot of that. But you know, first of all, getting more light, getting more protein. You know, I mentioned that farmers are paid on weight, not quality of food. So the protein content of a lot of foods has dropped as farmers have you know tried to get them more and more hydrated because protein is the most expensive macronutrient that also means that food processors have pulled out protein and they put in carbs and fats because it improves the palatability and it also reduces your long-term satiety. So you actually eat more of low protein foods and then they may make more money and they can market up more because you're addicted to it because they added food additives. And then, you know, your blood sugar goes up and down and this is why processed food in part is bad for people. But anyway, so more protein, adequate hydration, but also really high quality water, um, sourcing, how to know it's good, how to know it's not polluted. These are little things we have to, you know, work with people on having proper electrolytes and, and then darkness and quiet at night are a big deal. Blue blockers, the right light bulbs, a good wind down routine, things like that. 
and then having a, a community and healthy relationships, which really will poison people just as surely as any kind of toxin or pollutant or whatever in their food. And that's, that's what we call the fundamentals, the five fundamentals in the practice. And so we start with that. And then beyond that, it all depends on, well, what's the person's context? So somebody who lives in a cold, dark place, who's got high blood pressure, my favorite thing for them is going to be sauna because it's going to help them drive out toxins that are driving their blood pressure up. It's going to help improve their cardiovascular fitness without them having to even sit foot in the gym. It's going to help them drop their blood pressure and improve their cardio dynamics. And it's going to, when I get them hydrating, I'll also get them eating foods that are going to drop their blood pressure as well. And so that's a slam dunk for fixing that high blood pressure. Yeah. Not the uh, standard American diet. You won't recommend right. that. <laughs> right. Exactly. And then somebody who say wants to lose weight and lives in, let's just say Georgia, you know, I say, okay, look, six, eight months of the year, it's nice in Georgia. Cut back the biscuits and gravy. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Right. Talk about a high calorie, high fat, low protein meal. Yeah. Biscuits and gravy is not, I mean, it's good if you need, it's good if you are trying to bulk as a, as a, maybe a bodybuilder or weightlifter, but even then, I mean, the protein load is not really that high, you know, time outside in the sun, getting sun on their skin. You could add some cold plunge in order to activate the brown fat and start to improve their metabolic profile. And then everything else comes down to a lot of, we do a lot of dietary counseling where we look at exactly what they're eating. Yeah. So most people will settle for, yeah, most people will settle for, oh, I eat this, I eat that, and I eat this other thing. But when you actually dive into the specifics of what's in something, as far as the specific nutrients, it varies so widely. So for example, if someone says, oh, I throw some nuts in my morning smoothie, well, which nuts? And how many? (laughs) And how many, right? Because if you throw 10 Brazil nuts into a smoothie, that might not seem like that many nuts to you. Oh, you've overdone the selenium. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 10 Brazil nuts is going to be something like 600 or 700 micrograms of selenium. And I've seen that in toxic levels in people's blood before. And it's not that it was, I mean, it's funny. I actually asked about this case patient who's a friend of the patient. And I I saw that his selenium level was like 200 something in his blood. And he had like 200 microgram dose in his daily multivitamin. And um, I had him stop that and all of his problems went away and he got better and his high blood pressure came down and his anxiety went away but I never heard back from him. So I was sort of like, why, well, how is this guy doing to this other patient of mine? And she said, oh, he's great. He thinks you're just the best. And he like listens to all your podcasts. And I thought that's great. So I had no idea that's that he'd had wild. such a good outcome. Yeah. But you know, but that's a point made right there of too much of a good thing can be a bad thing too. So it does take the balance, right? And it's understanding of the phytochemicals and phytonutrients and what are you getting? And yeah, so that's important. Right. Exactly. Well, cool. Well, what are your, uh, a couple of your go-to favorites as far as um, maybe a, I I guess, what's your, what's your favorite meal? Let's just go with a meal. What's your favorite meal? Cause I'm a whole food plant-based gal and I know you're not, and that's okay. We don't have to fully agree on everything, but the meat I eat is (laughs) plant-based. Right. (laughs) Well, you know, that's a good, that's a good point that you bring up, but the reality is that I tailor the diet to the situation of the patient yes, and their goals. So uh, it's funny. I, I was just, just asking thought, yours, your personal. No, I know, but I, the, <laughs> and, but I have to answer based yeah. on my context, right? So I'm about to be 35 years old. Uh, I've your been baby. 
<laughs> I've been working on putting on muscle mass for the last eight months. Uh, I've gone from 160 to about 182. Wow. Nice. Right. And it's all lean muscle mass. And I'd like to get up to 190 or 200. If somebody comes to me and says, look, I want to gain muscle mass, or even if they say, I want to lose weight. One of the first things that I'm liable to do is say, okay, we need to add protein. We need to add particularly lean protein. Because if you don't hit a protein load for somebody like me of 180, 200, 250 grams of protein a day, that person's not going to bulk. Right. And this has to do a lot with wound healing and recovery from illness and exercise as well. If you take yeah, somebody over exercising. Yes. If right. you take somebody who's been over exercising and been in a calorie deficit for a long time, or whose hormones have been disrupted by crazy diets, crazy exercise, exhaustion, lack of sleep, you may need to actually give them a significant calorie excess in order to restore that homeostasis in their body. And a lot, particularly of women are struggling with their health because they've lived in a calorie deficit for so long and they don't have the essential nutrients in the tank to transform body fat that they want to lose into lean muscle mass, into healthy organ function, into an abundance of energy to get through the day. I find that as well. And I'm glad you're mentioning that because there are women, especially, and men do this as well, but women, especially with all the fad diets and the starvation, their body's just way out of sync and way out of whack. And they, they're literally they're, they're starving for nutrients, right? And they may be overweight, but they're just undernourished. That's exactly right. And that's why to go back to the word balance, it's a great word to describe what you need in your diet and your balanced diet. I mean, it's trite, it's very vague, it's very nebulous, right? But it's, it's a real thing. So back to my favorite meal, right? So for me right now, my favorite meal, uh, I'll start with my morning smoothie. So my morning smoothie consists of, and today, just for example, was greens, one large carrot, uh, and then three scoops of protein powder. And right now I'm taking a beef uh, bone protein powder. And that was breakfast. So it's about 30 to 40 grams of protein. It's some carbs. Oh, and then I had some peaches in there as well. And some Brazil nuts and pecans. So it's some fat, it's some protein, it's some carbs. Uh, and that's a typical breakfast for me. I'll put a lot of patience on that. Uh, but when weight loss is the goal, I don't go with liquid calories. That's something that Jim taught me. And you want to still maintain a high protein load and you may want to go keto or, you know, you can do a lot of different dietary templates, but that's, that's like a typical breakfast for me. And then with my other favorite meal is called monster mash, which is by a guy named Stan Efforting. My husband's not on my plan by the way, all uh -huh. the time. And he's like, Hey babe, we make this monster mash. Well, we had it coming out our ears. I mean, I had it in the freezer. He's like, I can't eat another bite of this stuff with the rice and the beef and all the things. So you're doing that too, huh? <laughs> but he's, it's, he was wanting to bulk it's up, the right? Best way to bulk. <laughs> it's the best way to bulk. And if I was in some kind of traumatic accident, if I was, you know, had to heal from a significant injury, if I had a patient who needed to heal from a significant injury. That's exactly what I would tell them to eat. And the reason is very simply that and then for people who don't know, Monster Mash is created by this guy named Stan Efforting, who's uh, one of the world's top, I think, I think I'm saying this correctly, one of the world's top uh, uh, strength and conditioning strength experts, trainers, let's yeah, just experts, say. Yep. Yeah, because I always get it mixed up. Like, is he a power lifter or a bodybuilder? <laughs> He's or... just big. 
That's right. Yeah. So, and he wrote this book called The Vertical Diet, where he talks about Monster Mash if you want to learn more. And so Monster Mash is basically a some kind of, of protein, fish, beef, chicken, turkey, whatever, plus uh, bone broth, uh, plus some kind of vegetable and some kind of starch. And you need the starch to activate insulin to cause your body to gain muscle mass. You need, you also need it for normal hormone production. A lot of women who are frustrated with lack of weight loss on keto are unwittingly not losing weight and not feeling better because they have absolutely no, um, no carbohydrate around. And because of that, they're carb, the word carb, a bad word. I'm like, no, no. and so they're actually tanking their stress hormones and they're tanking their sex steroid hormones and they're tanking their thyroid hormones. Right. And they actually do better when they do at least some amount of carbohydrate refeeding, not necessarily every day even, but just at least once a week um, to get that stimulation of carbohydrates in the system. So anyway, that's the monster mash. And helps with brain fog. So many people are like, I've got this brain fog going on. Well, how how are the carbs going? You know? (laughs) I know. Yeah. Yeah, it's really real. And fat, healthy fats. So right. anyway, that's super cool. Well, um, I, I'm curious, what do you do for exercise? So I teach that your body is your gym. It's a lot of moving isometrics. Um, I've been doing this for 20 years and uh, it, it's pretty powerful, right? Like you may be a weightlifter. I'm just curious, what do you do as the shirtless doctor? Uh, what do you do? And, um, and you know, what do you suggest for, for your patients? It depends on the season. It depends on where I am. And what time I've got available. So for example, if I have a really busy day, I might just do a 15 to 20 minute floor workout with body weights or maybe a sandbag or maybe some simple dumbbell uh, dumbbells or, or whatever, like free push-ups, weights. pull up stuff. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And just do that simple stuff in the living room at home. Mm-hmm. If uh, I'm in a place where there's some good like water visibility and some depth, I might go free diving. It's one of my favorite pastimes. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. Where I am on the Gulf. You're in Florida. Yes. Yeah. Well, the funny thing about St. Pete and Clearwater is that they're not, it's not actually that great of a location for free diving. There's a couple of spots that I haven't even been to yet, but it's not like very easy to just go off the beach and free dive. Yeah. So just because of the way the uh, lack of visibility. Oh, okay. And then the density of boats and people who are trawling for fish. Oh, sure. So. I don't, don't want to get, get wrapped up in that. I don't want to get wrapped up in that now, especially because you, there's a you pretty, and the, the manatees. No. Yeah. Bad right. Idea. And there's, idea. there's actually a pretty, you know, I mean, if you, if you were to get, let's say, God forbid, right. Like hooked by a, a fisherman. I mean, there's enough oh, sharks around here. That you, might, you might not get out of the water. So right. Right. Anyway, I don't <laughs> go free diving right off the beach. I'll go paddle boarding or kayaking right off the beach. Uh-huh. And I'm very careful to avoid the the boats, but that's another one of my favorite exercises. And then we've got a lot of flat inland water around here. That's nice to go paddleboarding on as well, but you have to be a little bit wary of the gators. Yeah. Yeah. Gators too in Florida. Well, I know that our body starts to atrophy actually just after about 20 to 30 minutes, uh, according to Dr. Joan Vernicos, who studies mm-hmm. the astronauts against uh, when they were in their mm-hmm. anti-gravity state. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're not too far from NASA uh, sure. across the way. But right. it's interesting because I think, you know, so many people are sitting longer in their days. And so how do you uh, encourage people to get up, move about? And do you have them set timers? Do you I mean, how do you get them to get into that new model of movement? 
Uh, number one, <clears throat> Jim shared this with me and, and got me convinced that it's one of the best things to tell people to do. Uh, just telling people to go take three walks a day is a really big deal. I start my day with a walk on the beach. It's coffee in the middle of the day. I'll get people up in, here in Minnesota. If they're listening, they're jealous walks on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you just have to tailor it to where you are. <laughs> yeah. And so when I lived in Minnesota, did I mention that I lived in no, Minnesota? No, you did not. No way. Yeah. I was a traveling doctor in Bemidji and then Deer River. Oh, wow. Okay. That's amazing. All right. That's a beautiful area, Bemidji. Yes, it is. And so what I would do, particularly at the small country hospital I was at, I would I would frequently not have too many patients. So I would I actually bought some snowshoes and I would go snowshoeing right outside the hospital for five, 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, awesome. And you know, if I lived in a place like, you know, Minnesota, Idaho, some cold, dark place with a lot of snow, I would I would invest in skis, snowshoes, uh, whatever, an outdoor, you know, traditional wood fired sauna. So that I could spend, or as they say in Minnesota, right? I think it's sauna, right? Sauna. I yeah. I'm again, I'm not Minnesotan, but yeah, they, they say sauna. Right. <laughs> they also say they also say bag. Would you like to bag your groceries? Oh, I'm like, no, I, I just want to bag them. Just I know. Them I used to say when someone ever somebody in Minnesota would say big to me, I would say, oh, what? And I would because <laughs> the first time I heard it big, I was like, You're you're what? You're what now? Yeah, right, right. So um what's funny because I, I did the same thing in the deep south, because I'm originally from New York city. And then I moved to Virginia as a child, but in the deep South, I was, I remember, I'll never forget this moment. I was in a little hospital in the panhandle of Florida, right next to Alabama. It's the area that is called Florabama. And the the nurse says to me, like, what would you like to order for this patient's diet? And I was like, they're what they're what now? And he had to say diet like four times. And finally the other nurse who didn't have as deep an accent as he did had to say diet. And I said, Oh, the diet. And that's, that's hilarious. Anyways. Well, yeah, now I've been living in sort of the deep south. I mean, I don't think, know if I can call St. Pete, Tampa, Clearwater area the deep south. Um, it's certainly southern, but it's not as southern as like Mississippi or yeah, Panhandle, Florida, oh where gosh. I was before. We totally digress. I'm sorry. Yeah, sometimes I do that with my uh, squirrels that uh, run off in my head. I'm like, what about this? What about that? Anyway, it is fun. Okay, so let's just kind of wrap this up because I know you have a limited time here, but I'm just curious with your patients, because I know how it is with my patients, but what do you find is um, kind of just one common pitfall that keeps people from, from succeeding or um, keeps people kind of in their own way? The number one mistake is not engaging with the fundamentals. And that's over and over and over again, the thing that drags people down. But and why do you think they don't engage in the fundamentals? What's what's the culprit reason? Number one, the misconception that the next, uh, you know, the next thing they're going to try, biohack, supplement, peptide protocol, hormone, insert yep. shiny object here, soup diet, yep, is going to be the magical thing that fixes all the problems yeah. and is going to make the fundamentals obsolete. Uh, that's the number one thing. And then the number two thing is that I think a lot of people, their underlying emotional um, issues, you know, past trauma, guilt, shame, fear, uh, conditioning from society, their family, et cetera, really puts them in a position where they are not emotionally comfortable being well. Mm -hmm. And so they sabotage themselves. They don't engage in the fundamentals because they know they're going to work. Mm -hmm. And that's you know where what? 
man, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you're talking about this right now because mm-hmm. um, I talk a lot on this as well about people being comfortable in their own pain. And it's the pain of that story. It's the pain of that self-sabotaging ways, ways in which they've lived all these mm-hmm. years. And so they want help, but they don't, they, you know, so the fact that you're even talking about, yeah, they've got all the fundamentals here, but they aren't willing to do them because they know they're going to work. So what, what's that going to do? That's going to change their life, which is really what they want, but they're afraid of it. So it's getting to the psyche of that and getting them the, get the heart head uh, connection to occur so that they actually take action. Because uh, it's so much more spiritual as well as mental and physical. And process the emotions, yeah. feel them, acknowledge them, and get you know emotional catharsis from them so that they can, because I think it all comes back really to uh, forgiveness of themselves and others. I With that, there, there's a release of the shame and the guilt and the fear and the, and the, and the unhappiness, um, yes. and the sorrow and the grief. Um, but without that forgiveness, I don't see that really happening. Key to for, uh, fitness is the F word, the forgiveness word. Did you just come up with that or is that? Like a I've tag? been using that for a while. Yeah. Wow. That's good. I like you that. You like that? Okay. Yeah, cool. I might borrow it if it's okay yeah. with you. Well, yeah. Bring me on your podcast and I'll share it. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> anyway, you're awesome. I really appreciate you. I appreciate your heart behind all you're doing. And uh, thank you for for just being so willing to share truth and to to take people by the hand to get them healthy and well, because there needs to be more and more people like you and me that are are willing to do the work to get people healthy and well. And obviously the people that desire to be healthy and well have to do the work as well. But um, just being at that forefront and giving them solid, basic, fundamental truth is, is where it's at. So I appreciate you very much continue to uh, doing all the great things that you're doing. And um, if you're listening and you want to check out Dr. Leland uh, Stillman and, uh, and his practice, just go to, is it Dr. Le- Le- LelandStillman.com or is it? No, it's, it's StillmanWellness.com. Thank you. It's the Stillman best place to Wellness. go. Join okay. my newsletter on that website. And then if you want to apply for a consultation, you can go to my, my, cause that's where I do my coaching and my education, which is the most important thing that I do and is the best way to keep in touch with me. But then if you want to become a patient, you can go to Stillman MD, Amazon medical D as in doctor.com. And you can click the apply for consultation tab in the top right hand corner. Cool. Yeah. Let's do that. And I'll put all that in the show notes, but I appreciate you very much. God bless you, friend. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Visibly Fit with Dr. Leland Stillman. If you want to learn more, uh, check out the websites that are in the show notes. But again, it's stillmanmd.com is one of his websites, but uh, check it out in the show notes. He has a great thing to offer. And if you are listening and you have been curious about the Visibly Fit seven-week accelerator program, I invite you to go there as well. Um, Find the person that fits you best whether it's someone like Dr. Leland or someone like myself or someone else in the space of of functional medicine, just get the help that you deserve. But if you're interested in that seven-week program that can take you further into releasing weight, into your uh, best health, getting off medication and reversing dis-ease in the body, then check that out at getvisiblyfit.com or you can go to my website at wendypet.com and that's W-E-N-D-I-E pett.com. All right. God bless you. And I hope that you will share this episode with others. And until next time, make it a visibly fit day. 
Well, that's a wrap for today's show. So thank you so much for tuning in. I love spending this time with you. To learn more and get more free resources, just head on over to wendypet.com. And thank you in advance for sharing this episode and this podcast, following and subscribing, not only to this podcast, but finding me on social media, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, wherever you are, I'm probably there too. Until next week in our next podcast time together, make it a visibly fit day.